Good morning, church. I want you to know that when I read the text that's available for us today, I hear a very sort of modern argument going on. Not not the sort of thing that 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 uh, separates us so much, but but a very sort of modern discussion that we don't usually expect from the first century. It's about what it means or or how do we become one of Jesus' sheep. The last couple of Sundays we've been talking about he's the good shepherd, that his sheep hear his voice and his sheep hear him and follow him and obey him and all this stuff. But right in the middle of that, there's this question front and centered is what is required for belief? It's a very modern question. It's a very um, two, three hundred, four hundred centuries ago question. It's a question for all time. The Calvinists would say, well, you know, God makes his choice and he predestines you. And so that's what makes you a believer. Wesleyans, that's us, would say that God does know who's there and he does choose, but he gives us the right to pick. Now the Calvinists would say that the Wesleyans are antinomialists or or Pelagians, Pelagians, not antinomialists, there is no law, that's antinomialism, but semi-Pelagianism is that it's all on us, that we're just earning our salvation and we do this thing. That is the very extreme of one side, whereas the very extreme of the Calvinists, the opposite angle, is that um, there are churches in the Calvinist system that don't do Sunday school, they don't do education or anything like that, because none of that makes one ounce of difference to your salvation, because if you're going to be saved, you're going to do it no matter what, and you don't have to know anything. Those extremes, just like today, in almost all our arguments, the the extremes just lose sight of each other and become unmanageable, unmerited sort of opinions. So, the question before us today, and in the argument from John 10, 22 through 42. Wait, so let me go back and catch us up with 19. Jesus has just said, um, I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to pick it back up. And this is what my father has commanded or given me the right to do. Then he, when he said these things, the people were divided in their opinions about him. This is from John 10, 19. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? And others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Do you see the extremes? That that there's nothing in the middle between these two. It's very common and very up-to-date on this thing. Here's verse 22. It was winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade, and the people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. 
The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We're going to come back to that part. That this I've already told you, and you don't believe. The proof's in the work, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Jesus, they replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say your gods. It's a very interesting term, lowercase g, gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God, uppercase God's message, were called gods, lowercase gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God, uppercase God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Believe the works is what he's saying. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true, and many who were there believed in Jesus' name. Okay, the question I have for you today is, will you choose to believe from what you've seen? Will you choose to believe? And the answer is, of course, you will choose, but many of us lean on the wrong things to choose from. Just in conversations in the last three weeks, I've had a couple of conversations with a number of different people that if this person's from the right family, right, they're raised, right, they're raised in the church, they'll have a chance to believe. Except that's kind of the Jewish system of belief, right, that I'm Jewish and so I'm his people. That's not really how it is, that he, he doesn't respect that in that way. How about being exposed enough? Well, you know, if you just get exposed enough, and, and I'm one of those witness people that, that believe some of the statistics, because I've seen them play out, that you have to be exposed to the gospel 7.2 times in order to believe it. But that doesn't mean that you will choose to believe it from the exposure what about talking about Jesus? Does talking about Jesus make you a believer? Or praying? Does praying make you a believer and a follower? 
Now the question goes back to these verses I told you I'd come back to. Tell us plainly if you're the Messiah, they said in verse 24. Jesus replied, I have told you and you don't believe. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So here's the question. How will you decide? Let's say you've been hanging around Jesus. That's essentially what this describes in the temple right now, is that they're in the temple, hanging around, listening to Jesus, watching him do stuff, and they come together in the middle of an argument and go, tell us, we don't know what to believe. And some of them say, well, his words are weird, but his we don't understand his words, but what he does is amazing. Oh no, his words are so weird, says the other side of that, that you can't look at what he's doing. It's as though being nearby, loitering in the vicinity of Jesus, is what some people think is belief in our time. I've met people, well, I know I'm a believer because I've prayed every meal. After, since I was a little kid. Yeah, that's sort of the cultic, C-U-L-T-I-C, cultic signs of belief, that if you're a believer, you will pray, but praying doesn't make you a believer. It's not the other way around. But this gets to this thing. I've told you, but you don't hear me. You're not listening. You're lingering or loitering in the vicinity of Jesus, and you're not listening. But, but let's say the words of Jesus fall upon your ears, and, and, and you are listening, but you choose not to believe. So who is right? This whole story goes like this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Right in the middle of this argument, down at the end of the verse, Jesus went off, and some people followed him, and many believed because of what the testimony about him, and they did it. This is what happens. You've got to opt in. Plain and simple. God knows who's going to opt in, is the way that I would explain it, but he is so careful about our freedom to choose because he's not after robots and all this other stuff. He's after people that will choose and love and act out of that relationship. And, and he knows that if he chooses for them, then what he gets is robots. Or the worst case scenario in a Calvinist situation is that once saved, always saved language is, I, I said the prayer, now I just get to do whatever I want to do for the rest of my life. See, that's not belief. That's not choosing. That's not opting in. Hanging around Jesus, what family you're from, your heritage, none of that is opt in. The key to this whole thing is opt-in, church. 
You can't lose the God's working and paving the way and witnessing to you and laying things out and saying to you nearby and wooing you into a relationship. But you can also not lose sight that you have the chance to be in the vicinity of all the things that God is doing all the time. You have the choice to do all that and to stand there and go, man, he's a crazy man. We ought to get rid of him doesn't matter what good things he does. I've seen all the miraculous things. I don't. Church seeing is not believing. Believing is believing. Trusting is believing. Acting out of that trust. Once you opt in and follow him, you stop lingering and loitering in the vicinity of Jesus. You begin a new life of faith where you're not just standing around like everybody else. You must opt in. Here's the verse that we're talking about. Once again, here we are, right back there. Tell us if you're plainly. I told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is right there in front of you in the work I do, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep Listen to my voice. Are you listening, church? Are you hearing his voice? Are you opting in? Certainly Jesus and God choose you before the beginning of time. But you, church, you got to choose Jesus too. Let's do that. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. Help us not just linger nearby and be spectators in a life and a world set for you. Help us see what you're doing. Help us recognize, help us opt in, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.